Amen. Amen. Um, so I saw something this week that made me really do some thinking. And I wanted to talk about it today in our, in our service because I, I just, I feel it's important to talk about this thing. Um, some of you in here might be able to remember what happened on November 22nd, 1963. There was a news flash bulletin that came across the screen of black and white televisions in 1963. And there was a man named Walter Cronkite, and he said these following words. He said, from Dallas, Texas, the flash apparently official, President Kennedy died at 1 p.m. Standard Time, 2 o'clock Eastern Standard Time, some 38 minutes ago. How many of you guys can remember that? I, I was not alive at that moment when that happened, but I am a student of history, and I have watched that clip multiple times. I have watched many films, many documentaries about that moment. Um, when, when, we, when you heard that news flash, you could, like, if I ask the question of some of you in here this morning, you could remember what you were wearing. You could remember where you were. You could remember the places that, that you went that day. You could remember everything about that moment when you learned that President Kennedy was shot. Amen? Now, on the morning of September 11, 2001, something else spectacular took place that every one of us in this room, for the most part, can remember where you were. I was, I remember getting ready. I was working for Arvest Bank at the time. I was in their call center. I was sitting on my couch, eating a bowl of Fruit Loops with some chocolate milk. And I was watching the Today Show with Matt Lauer and Katie Couric. Anybody else? You know who I'm talking about? And I'm sitting there on my couch, and they broke in from their, because we're an hour behind New York. They broke in from their regularly scheduled news program, and they said, we're sorry, we're having to break into, we've got live things that are happening right now. Something's taking place with the, with one of the World Trade Centers. There's smoke coming off of this thing. We're trying to figure out what's going on. And I remember eating my cereal, just watching my television screen. And then all of a sudden, I saw it in real time, one of the World Trade Centers explode. I remember everything about that day. I got in my car, I turned on my radio, and that's all I heard for the entire drive to work. I got to my place of employment. I sat in my... uh, No one did work that day at, at work. Everybody was in the break room glued to the news. Like, that's, that's all we did. We sat and we watched. We were thinking, and everybody thought, this is it, this is it, this is it. It's the, it's the end. Because it's just, next, next, next. I remember everything about that morning. I remember it was a clear, crisp September morning. How many of you guys remember all the things about that? It, it's interesting that, that we can remember when these jaw-dropping, breaking news moments take place in our lives. We can remember what we were eating, what we were wearing, what we were doing. Jamie said that the day of September 11th, she was trying to listen to music on the way to, the, to class. She was heading to class, and she was like, golly, there's no good music on. 
I can't find any good music. Everybody, it's all, everybody just talking on the radio. What is going on? Well, come to find out. A horrific event had taken place in America. And, and so we, we remember these things, amen? There's a lot of weird things that are taking place in the world today. And I, and I want us to be mindful that God knows everything. I want, and I want us to, as I set this up, I want you all to understand that God knows everything. From the beginning to the end, God knows everything, and he is sovereignly in control over all things. He he knew thousands of years ago what would be taking place in the year 2022, 2023, 2024, the next several years. He knows what's going to take place over the next 3, 5, 6, 20, 150 years. He knows, amen? God, God knows all things. Nothing catches Jesus Christ off guard because he is the sovereign king of the universe. Now, in saying that, in saying that, I I want us to understand something. Yes, Jesus is in control, but over and over again in the scriptures, God tells us that we are to be aware. Amen? He tells us that we are to be aware. And as you read in Luke chapter 21... Luke chapter 21, verse 28 says, Now, when these things begin to take place, straighten up your heads, because your redemption is drawing near. Now, I want you guys to understand this, that I believe that we are living in the last days. I I believe that we're... Now, I'm not a date setter. I'm not a guy that'll say, Well, okay, guys, December 25th, 2022, he's coming. I'm not that guy. Because the scriptures are very clear that that no man knows the day of the hour. Amen? Nobody knows these things. But we, we do know the times and the seasons, and we have been given enough information in God's Word to tell us, listen, you need to be paying attention to what's coming down the pike. When you see things happening, don't get frustrated, don't get worried, because here's what happens a lot of times in the world of Christianity. We'll see certain things and we'll go, oh gosh, Caleb, I'm terrified. We get worried, we get nervous. Scripture never says to be afraid or get nervous or scared. Amen? Scripture always tells us to be aware and to trust God. Be aware, but trust God. So don't be worried. Don't don't get worried about what's going on in the world. Don't be fearful, but I want you to be aware. And know this, that Jesus Christ is in Control. Now, I want us to look at something specific this morning as I set that up. Go to Romans chapter 1. Got your Bibles. Go over, just flip over a couple pages to Romans chapter 1. The, the reason I'm saying all this is because I saw several things take place this week that caught my attention, and I thought, I need to talk to my church about this because I believe that this is important. These are important things. And as we begin to see things take place, Scripture says to straighten up. Straighten up your heads and know that Christ is on his way and your your redemption is drawing near. So I want us to look at this in Romans chapter 1. The last half of chapter 1 talks about God's wrath on a nation that has abandoned the truth of the gospel. And in context, there's a lot of this talking about sexual immorality. But there's something interesting in the text that I want us to look at specifically and then we'll, we'll draw some more conclusions to this as we, as we keep going. Romans chapter 1, verse 25. 
It says this, they traded the truth about God for a lie so that they worshiped and served the things God created instead of the creator himself who is worthy of eternal praise. Amen. Now, I read that out of the New Living Translation. In the ESV, it says, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and they worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. Now, couple different things we could see in this text. What exactly, what exactly is this text over? Over, over the next several decades, um, you and I have seen in America and in the world in general, over the last several decades, we have seen the, this push for, they call it green living. Anyone hear that? Green, we're talking about green living. And we've elevated the planet. There's been, and this is this is not just something that's happened over the last couple of days. This has happened for decades. It has been a slow burn over the last 65, 70 years. Amen. We've watched over the last 65, 70 years this slow burn where there's been this this push to elevate the the planet and to live green and to have a small carbon footprint and to not. And we need to recycle more. We need to do all these different things. There's, there's been a huge push to have a narrative of climate change in front of everyone all the time. You see it on every news briefing. One of the worst things that could possibly happen is climate change. We've got to do something about it. What do we need to do? We need to stop driving SUVs. We need to start doing this. We need to start doing this. We need to start living greener. We need to start doing this. We need, now, I will say that we have been given a responsibility to take care of the planet. From a, from a don't, don't do dumb things. I'll say that. But there has been this push, and you're going to see it here in a minute because I'm going to show you why I think this is interesting and what the problem is in the culture. This is talking about God's wrath on a society that turns its back on the truth of the gospel. This narrative of, cult, of, of climate change has been in front of us, front and center, for everyone to see. Everyone to see. Something happened earlier this month, just a couple of days ago, just a few days ago, that I, I want you to see. This is the headline that I read. Clergy hold multi-faith, listen, clergy hold multi-faith climate repentance ceremony as UN summit wraps up in Egypt. Now, where did they go specifically to do this? What exactly were these clergy doing? They were holding a multi-faith climate repentance ceremony on Mount Sinai, and they wrote up the new global green Ten Commandments. And they, are, they were repenting to the universe and to the planet for doing things that were enlarging their footprint, their, their, their um, climate footprint. What exactly were these clergy repenting of? Listen to this. This is from Rowan Williams, the former Archbishop of Canterbury. We tried to formulate 10 principles that would call, call us to climate repentance. That is to acknowledge of where and what all we've done as a human race to fall short to the planet. 
Now, notice what they've done here. They formulated, in essence, Ten Commandments of Climate Repentance. Now, I want you all to see something else. Is that, is that in this moment, they're using verbiage. They're using verbiage. And this is what the enemy does. The enemy takes bits and pieces of Scripture and twists it and, and turns it into something it's not supposed to be. So they're having a climate repentance ceremony. And they're using the words that we've fallen, the human race has fallen short. Now, I'll agree with him. Because Romans 3.23 says, All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Amen? So what they're doing, what the enemy does is he twists little bits and pieces of this text to formulate it. And what are we repenting from? What are we repent, What have we fallen short from? We're not talking about breaking God's law. We're not talking about the, the actual Ten Commandments to say don't lie, don't steal, don't commit murder, don't commit adultery, don't, don't, don't do these things. Honor the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, and so all the, those, those Ten Commandments. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about ten principles, ten commandments of global repentance. And we're not talking about breaking God's law. We're, talking, and we're not talking about sin. Rather, they're talking about how, as a human race, we have sinned against planet Earth. And in order to bring conviction, there needs to be a new law of commands about humans and their grievances against the planet. Now, how do we know that there's conviction? Now, this is what I'm saying. Satan has taken this and twisted this because Romans chapter 3, verse 19 says that now the law applies to those who it has been given to for its purpose is to keep people from having excuse and to show that the entire world is guilty before God. So God gives us the Ten Commandments, the real Ten Commandments, as a schoolmaster as a mirror to show us this is what you've done. You've broken the laws of a holy God. You have grieved a holy God. Therefore, you must repent of your sins. This is the idea. This text shows us that the law was given to us as a schoolmaster to convict us of our sinfulness and to show us that we need a Savior and His name is Jesus Christ. Amen? That's what we've been called to do. So, in essence, what's happened in this summit held on Mount Sinai. Now, what else happened on Mount Sinai that's interesting? The actual Ten Commandments were given to Moses on Mount Sinai. So, don't think that that's not just, oh, it's just a coincidence, Caleb. The enemy is in the business of deceiving human beings. And he's doing a bang-up job. So he's on, they're on Mount Sinai, and these leaders, these climate clergy, that's what they're calling them, the climate clergy, um, in essence, at this summit, these religious leaders stood and said that humanity needs to repent to the earth and, in essence, worship the planet. That's what they're worshiping, is the planet. What, where does that come into play? When God abandons a culture, when God abandons a people, they will, they will turn their back on the truth and follow after a lie. Because they exchange the truth, verse 25, Romans 1, 25, they exchange the truth about God for a lie and worship and serve the creation rather, rather than the creator. 
This is what's happening. And we're not repenting to the Lord Jesus Christ for our sinful grievances against the holy God. No, we're, we're standing in a, in a holy place, Mount Sinai, and repenting. These, these clergy are repenting to the earth for having a large footprint of carbon. Oh, like Satan does his dead level best to copycat God. He does. He, he tries to copycat God. During the tribulation, there's going to be three demonic entities. He's imitating the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Antichrist, false prophet, and the beast. There's the unholy trinity. He is doing his dead level best to copy, to copy God. And what was one of the signs that God mentions in Romans? Like I said, they turned their back on the truth. And this is what we've done for generations now. We've turned our back on the truth of God's word and the reality of what God is doing in our hearts and our minds and our lives. And we're rejecting that as a, as a population, as a nation, as a world. We're rejecting these things. And Christianity is being lock, stock, and barrel made fun of and mocked on a wholesale level. So they trade the truth of God for lies. And we trade them in for what? Things that are anti Christ. What happens when you worship the planet? What else comes along with that? Well, if you keep reading in Romans, strange, horrific sexual immorality becomes the normative. It becomes the God. You worship the planet, you act like animals in it. And what do animals do? They just instinctively just do whatever they want, whenever they want, with whoever they want. And so, strange, horrific sexual immorality becomes God becomes the God of these people because they worship a planet that has no ability to save them. So, what needs to, this, the worship of, of the planet is to, there is no rule except for to keep your carbon footprint down and do what the government tells you to do. So the state, listen to me, the stage is being set for a new, new world order and we are told by God that he does not want us to be caught unaware about these types of things. If you just listen to the news, there's interesting things afoot. That was one thing that was in the news. Just earlier this year in March, there was a guy named Klaus Schwab who stood on a stage and they said that we're going to bring about a new world order and by 2030 you will own nothing and you're going to be happy about it. That, that doesn't sound ominous, does it? No. So you couple this climate repentance ceremony on Mount Sinai with just on Monday morning. Nine major banks in the world, nine of the largest banks in the world, joined, together with, joined forces together with the Federal Reserve to work on testing a 12-week digital dollar pilot. Now, interesting enough, I was in the shower on Friday, and I thought to myself, why 12 weeks? What's interesting, what, what does the number 12 symbolize? The completeness of government control. Hmm. Interesting. Well, think about at the end of time, there'll be 12 tribes that rule over the, over the universe. God's theocracy will rule completely and wholly forever and ever. Amen. So what is the enemy doing? Once again, we're, he's, he's putting things into place. So we've got a 12-week pilot that started 
this week to test a digital dollar. They want to study its feasibility. Feasibility for what? A news release referred to the experiment as a proof-of-concept project, which would have the banks work with the Federal Reserve to simulate digital money representing the deposits of their own customers and settle them through um, simulated Federal Reserve distribution ledgers. The article in the Washington Examiner goes on to say that this project will also test the feasibility of programmable digital money and design that is potentially extensible to other digital assets as well as the visibility of the proposed system within the existing laws and the regulations. These two things are linked together, ladies and gentlemen, that they are going to a couple green living with your money. They're, they're going to couple together green living with your money to be able to control what you do. You want to buy a gun? I don't think that's a good idea. You've had too many cheeseburgers this week. You're not living green. You need to have a salad. So they're going to have digital money. Do your, I'm telling you, do your research on this. These two things are coupled and linked together. They're going to couple green living with your cash, and it's all about control. And if you disobey the 10 green, 10, the 10 green commandments, they'll freeze your digital dollar, and you won't be able to buy or sell anything. Hmm, that sounds interesting. I've never heard that anywhere in the Bible, have you? Have you ever heard about that in the Bible, where you, if you don't do certain things, if you don't take a certain mark, you can't buy or sell? You can't buy or sell? This sounds very similar. Now, here's what I want you to, I'm not saying that this is the mark of the beast. Don't say, oh, Pastor Caleb said that's the mark of the beast. No, 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 no. I'm not saying that this is the mark of the beast. What I am telling you is that the groundwork is being laid for this to become a reality. And regardless of where you land eschatology-wise, I'm just telling you what's going on in the world. These are news headlines from the last seven, eight days. That are, these things are they're taking place. I, I'm not saying that the, that the mark of the beast is here, but what I am saying is that this is happening in real time right now, and we're seeing things unfold before our very eyes that the saints of the New Testament, I was just talking to my friend Dave yesterday, we are seeing things unfold in front of us that the saints in the New Testament were longing for. That we, they were longing to see this. The groundwork is being laid for the Antichrist. And we're told to pay attention and, to, and as a result of things that are happening around us, that the return of Christ should motivate us, should motivate us as Christians to talk about the first time Christ came to the planet to save and to redeem humanity. Christ, like we're, in, we're walking into the Advent season and we're about to start celebrating Christ coming to the planet the first time. Why did Jesus come the first time? To seek and to save that which was lost. Now the Jews were looking for the conquering king to show up and to land on the planet and to place his foot on the Mount of Olives and to set up his eternal kingdom and Israel would be the place for everyone to come and worship and there would be 
no more problems. That's what they were looking for in the beginning. But Christ had another plan, amen? Christ came as a meek and mild child in a manger. The kids were just up here practicing and singing and planning for their Christmas program. That's the plan. Originally, Christ said, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to lay myself out and I'm going to come and lay myself out as a human being, as a servant, and I'm going to save human beings by becoming a human being. Golly. The Ten Commandments were given to us by God to reveal our wickedness and our inability to save ourselves. Listen to me. Governments stepping in to help stop a climate apocalypse is not what will save us. Amen? Amen? The global climate apocalypse is not going to be saved because someone in the White House or somebody at the UN is going to set us up in the right spot. The only thing that will save humanity is the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I need you all to understand something, that no amount of green living will ever stop this planet from falling apart. Listen to me. There is coming a day because of sin. Sin has fractured this planet to the point where it is falling apart. In fact, 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 7 says that But the heavens we now see and the earth we live on now has been kept by his word. They will be kept until the day that they are destroyed by fire. There's coming a global warming. (laughs) There's coming a global warming. God will purify the planet with fire and then he's going to remake it. There's going to be what scripture calls a new heaven and new earth. That is coming. They will be kept until the day Men stand before God and sinners are given, have to give an account before God and then are destroyed by the righteousness of the holy God. Having a green Ten Commandments in place will do nothing to stop a climate apocalypse. Sin is the reason we are having the issues we are having in our world. The reason no one can get along is because of sin. Government-authored plans will not stop God's righteous judgment on the world. Amen? In fact, in the Bible, it tells us in Psalms 2.4, Psalms 37.13, and Psalms 59.8, that God laughs at human beings and laughs at governments that attempt to stop Him from doing what He wants to do. The only thing that can be done to avoid God's wrath is to repent of your sinfulness and trust the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's it. Steve Lawson said, if you wanted to reduce the gospel down to one word, that word would be substitution. That's so simple, isn't it? Like, that's so simple. And yet, it's so profound, amen? Christ steps in and becomes your substitution. He was the one who took what you were supposed to get. And you deserve the wrath and punishment that Christ got. But instead, Christ took that punishment. And now, you receive mercy and you receive grace. And you get, you get ultimate forgiveness. This is what is needed to be proclaimed to the world around us. That we are needing to submit ourselves to the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus came in Luke chapter 2. We see Jesus come as a meek and mild baby, and the heavens explode with rejoicing. 
They sing. The angels have this giant chorus and it's so bright that the shepherds can't stand it. And they're just so enamored by this and they're just so amazed. And they, and they say, let's go see this great sight. And they run to Bethlehem and they find this manger and they fall down. These shepherds, these blue collar farm guys, farm kids, again, they're probably kids. These farm kids find Jesus and they fall down and they worship him. They worship him. Why? Because Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And they saw a glimpse of heaven. They said, I want more of that. And I'm telling you, God is coming soon. And we're called by Jesus not to get nervous about what might happen. But what we're called to by Jesus is to lift up our eyes. When we start seeing weird things take place like this, when we start seeing the... Listen, everything's falling into place. Amen? Everything's falling. There's not one shot, one tittle, one eye, one T that hasn't been crossed or dotted. Lord Jesus Christ authored the beginning from the end and the end from the beginning. God is in charge of all things. He knows all things. Nothing is out of his control. And this, this season and what's happening, yes, be aware, but don't be afraid. Don't be afraid because here's the deal. Christ is coming again. And if you're in Christ, you're going with him. And you get to be in his kingdom. Now, if you're here and you're not in Christ, get nervous. Yeah, be a little worried. There might be some problems coming around in your life. Because if you're not in Christ, you're outside of Christ. Therefore, you are condemned because you've rejected the gospel. Now, there's a remedy to that. Trust and obey. There's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. As Luke chapter 21 verse 28 says, Now when you see these things begin to take place, straighten up your heads. Like This is the idea of, as, a, as a parent. Have you ever, ever looked at your kids and they're just slumped down? Hey, boy. Hey, sister. Straighten up. Anybody ever said that to your kids? Straighten up. Act right. You ever said that before? I, my dad used to say, Boy, straighten up. Act right. Quit acting nutty. Straighten up. This is what the text is telling you. When you begin to see these things, get your eyes off of the circumstances. Get your eyes off. Oh, Caleb, I saw what's happened in the news today. Oh! Stop worrying. Get your eyes off of those things. Okay, be aware of it. Know it's there, but don't dwell on it to the point where you're just like, oh my goodness, I don't know what's going to happen next. Well, Jesus does. Get your eyes off of the news and get your eyes on the scriptures. Start reading the Bible. Know what's going on and know that Christ is coming. Like, it's coming. And if you, if you don't have yourself set up in a position where you've repented of your sins, you've trusted Christ, man, I'm telling you, this, this should motivate us as Christians to tell our friends, to tell our families, listen, Things are happening in the world, and we need to get ourselves set up right. We need to be made right. How do we do that? Repent of our sins and trust the Lord Jesus Christ. Ask Jesus to forgive us, and he will. Amen? Let's stand together. Actually, I take that back. Sit back down. Just kidding. I need uh, Tyler, Chancey, and Darren. Come on down here.